Welcome to What's My Thesis. I am your host, Javier Proenza. Every week, my guests and I share the answers we've found to the questions we have. Join us as we explore and expand our worldview through research and ask, what's my thesis? So it's been a while. I actually had to take a break because obviously we have all been going through something pretty intense and I just didn't really feel like I had anything positive to contribute <clears throat> or benefit. Uh, I was very upset with the politics. I'm happy that this show is not a political show because I genuinely don't know how people like Jimmy Dore and Kyle Kalinske fucking just keep their heads in that cloud. Um, but yeah, I literally had to stop like engaging because it's just been too much, man. Uh, so I want to speak a little bit and revise or, you know, discuss some of the things that have been discussed on the show before. Um, I also have been feeling like it's an imposition to invite people. I know a lot of people are doing like uh, Instagram live content and stuff. I just haven't been in a space where I wanted to host someone. And it's a little hard to always be projecting something publicly. So this is definitely a space where I want uh, positive things to be reflected and I don't necessarily want to put out my despair <laughs> into the world and my frustration. But I do want to talk about some of the things that we've covered on the show before. Uh, I've Unfortunately, I'm going off of memory. It maybe would have been better if I'd listened to the episodes that I've done on uh, universal basic income uh, and other things that I'm going to be discussing up top. But... Um, couple things. First of all, right now there's this thing about capitalism, and I just want to remind any everybody something that my friend Mark Prada, who has been on the show before, he did the um, uh, uh, immigration law, or what's I forget what the episode is called, but it's the one about uh, where I talk, speak to an immigration lawyer about the craziness that was happening early on. It's probably gotten even worse by now. Uh, but he reminded me that, um, you know, we talk a lot in terms of free market capitalism in this country, but those two are two very separate things. Free market is something that has been a part of this country since its inception. And capitalism didn't come in until like the, uh, what's it called? Industrial revolution. So that level of wealth, of concentrated wealth, concentrated capital is something new. And maybe those things should be separated again. Now, I do want to talk real quick about universal basic income because that's been also a hot button item. I had my friend Sue Ellen Stone on the podcast uh, a really long time ago to discuss that. Back before, it, I mean, it was like popular on Reddit, but I don't think that it was like a garden variety household. I forget what they call those, like uh, dinner conversation issues, uh, dinner table talk, whatever. It's an antiquated term because no one sits to eat dinner anymore. Or maybe they do. I don't know. Maybe I just revealed how lonely I am in, in isolation. I'm not. I mean, no more than anybody else. So uh, universal basic income. Now, here's a thing that I think is kind of strange uh, about the way that, first of all, like I've never really, f or I mean, I've always been curious by it. I've never fully been somebody that believed that people needed it up until like now. Obviously, there's this weird thing right now happening where people are consolidating their wealth by keeping everyone home. Uh, it's very opportunistic. It's very cruel. Uh, it's a repeat of what happened in 2008, 2009, which actually, personally, on a personal level, was very difficult for me. But universal basic income. So, essentially... People talk about this as like free money, and it's really sad to see protesters protesting um, going back to work because, uh, you know, they don't realize how they're getting fucked and how they could have gotten money. And I think that um, the big problem is that we still think of uh, universal basic income as some sort of 
socialism or some some kind of like concept of free money, which if you go back and listen to UBI, one of the things that was really difficult to explain to Sue Ellen, who at the time, I mean, she's a smart person at the time. It was a new concept to her, and I think that even now that it's in the public discourse, people misunderstand what universal basic income is. Universal basic income is not socialism. Universal basic basic income is hyper-capitalism. So it is the solution you come up with when you devalue labor to the extent which is ideal for, which is, I mean, you know, that's what slavery is about. Again, capitalism and slavery are close relatives. They, uh, they're like uh, kissing cousins. Is that a thing? I don't even know what that refers to. So universal basic income is hypercapitalism, which is to say that capitalism gets bumped to the point where it, or like, it's just Unchecked capitalism, where labor is devalued to the point where um, we no longer have a purpose. Now, it's a humanitarian capitalist concept, I guess, which is something that I'm thinking about now, because there's a lot of people that it seems in government and in Wall Street and in corporate America that are perfectly fine with just having a large masses of the population struggle let's say struggle well I, I, I don't i don't want to go so dark as to say starve to death but it does seem like they're okay with that um so universal basic income is essentially a system by which um capitalism is allowed to keep going because if you do not give people money then no one will buy products and the costs of products in the theoretical um automation situation um, or I don't know how theoretical it is. In the, uh, in the uh, arguments for universal basic income, the idea is that products will become so cheap to make because la- the cost of production will go down without having to pay for labor that then you end up with this uneven economic system where things are being produced for super cheap, but no one has the income to buy it. So that is what, like, essentially what the guy standing approach to universal basic income is. Now it seems like because it's still, it, it like because uh, Andrew Yang popularized it, people seem to think they understand what it is. Um, but essentially this is a, the, the, the use of universal basic income in this situation would have been the only thing to keep the economy functioning, straight up. Because if we have money, we can pay our rent, we can buy goods, and nothing necessarily needs to come to a grinding halt because the people who own businesses can pay to stay afloat while this all happens or whatnot. That's not what was chosen. And, I, you know, for anybody who's still a Democrat, I'm, I'm sorry, um, it was them. And it's been happening this whole time that Russiagate has been going on. The Democrats have just been sucking Trump's dick, like straight up. So it's actually terrifying that we live in a world where the same way that Obama consolidated wealth upwards, the Democrats voted for that. Bernie Sanders voted for that. Uh, I, I know that AOC says she didn't vote for that, but she did. So in the general sense of, in in the broader discussion of universal basic income, in not doing that, even though I think it is hyper-capitalism, in not helping the citizenry by having universal basic income, you've just made an opportunity for, like basically they gave trillions of dollars to the richest motherfuckers so that they could buy shit. Now you see why I didn't want to do an episode. Now I have distance and I could talk about this without fucking being angry. But it's just the reality of the world that we live in.
Yeah, I think that there's good things happening. I think that there's a generation of kids that know that they've been fucked and that they're not uh, they're not necessarily gonna fucking go along to get along. Like, you know, uh, I see that the standard, the hypocritical standard of Me Too, uh, not that Me Too is hypocritical. I do think that that was a great thing and a lot of people believed in it. And now... To see that the people that were leading that charge are uh, hypocrites is um, disappointing, but doesn't take away the momentum that Me Too has had, right? I mean, you are going to get some people saying like, oh, it's all bullshit, blah, blah, blah. But like, I do think that there are people who legitimately do think that sexual assault is a problem and are not willing to just let uh, Vice President, what's his face, um fucking you know be a rapist and 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 be okay with it so um last thing that i'll say is that a lot of people are freaked out about the prospect of donald trump uh doing another four years i promise you it'll be okay i promise you the things i know that maybe you're looking at media that tells you otherwise and that it's and they're telling you that Trump is the worst thing that's ever fucking happened to the planet. We just uncovered the fact that Obama's president's Obama's administration um did some shady ass fucking shit to start this whole Russiagate thing which is responsible like look the Dems are bad actors. They are. And if you still believe in them and that's where your hope comes from, you're going to have a very hard time moving forward. Uh, I say that with empathy, not with resentment. I care about people, and I'm not into voter shaming people because I know what that feels like. If you're going to go vote for Biden, do it. I don't have a problem with you. I have a problem with you having a problem with me. And, you know, my concerns with Biden are legitimate. Back in the Bush years, I used to hear people, George W. Bush years, I used to hear people say things like, uh, you, you know, it, it, like from, uh, you know, for a second term is like, I'm going to vote for him. I'm not going to vote for Kerry, who uh, was a terrible candidate, but I'm not going to vote for Kerry because um, because we already know the evil that we have with Bush. And I didn't really understand that. But then we got another guy after Bush, and that guy made more wars. It's like objective truth. In the first term, him and Hillary Clinton fucked Libya and brought back, um, what's it called? Slavery to the African continent. So, um, do I think that the world would be worse off in the case of uh, better off if Hillary was running? Not really, dude. I'm not going to fucking front. I'm not, I'm not so sure. Like what we, what she did to Honduras, which we're not going to get into in this fucking thing. It's like, um, why do you think so many people are coming in caravans? Like that didn't start on Trump's watch. Trump hasn't been in office long enough to destabilize Honduras to that extent where that many people are coming. Um, look at the coup that just recently went down with this motherfucker uh, denying it. They, they sent like, what was it, six fishermen, uh, six guys that got busted by fishermen. Juan Guaido apparently paid them $200 million. Like, um, yeah, they're starving people and they're doing fucked up shit and, and Trump killed Soleimani, but it's because it was Trump that killed Soleimani that he got away with it. <laughs> no one else could have killed Soleimani and, and had, so I'm not saying Trump is good. I'm just saying like, it'll be okay because no matter what, the Dems are still giving him everything they want that he wants. So if they are concerned, if they're as concerned about him as they say they are, 
they wouldn't be giving him spying powers. They wouldn't be giving him all these things, okay? Uh, secondly, I don't want to get into it, but don't trust anyone on the squad. Because now, uh, what's your face? Um, Ilhan Omar. I already talked about how uh, AOC is voting, is saying that she voted no on the stimulus bill, but there's no way to verify that because it was uh, the only voice that you can actually hear is a dude. Uh, going no in that in that voice in the vo uh, voice vote um it's very clear that she didn't vote for that it's and she continues to say it and i have a problem with uh, crystal ball of rising continuing to fucking back give her backing so um yeah and now what's her name who got in trouble for all about the Benjamins, uh, and who I used to have a lot of respect for, is backing APAC and Donald Trump um, in the latest votes. So it's it's uh, WWF. I'm I'm not telling you not to vote for Biden. I'm telling you if Biden loses, it will be okay. It will, the world will keep going. Italian governments have crumbled. And society over there has continued. Not necessarily always for the best, but um, yeah, I, I definitely, I mean, if I am going to talk about politics, these motherfuckers are selling us out. Bernie Sanders is, has sold us out hard. Like, I don't even fuck it. Like, basically, that motherfucker just took my money. Um, am I going to be mad at him? No. Because he played me. I got played. But... You know, they're not, you know, these motherfuckers ain't worried about Trump getting reelected. If they did, they wouldn't have picked Biden. It just wouldn't have fucking happened. Let's move real quick to another topic that we've covered on the show before, the two concepts of liberty, which is uh, an episode I'm always excited about when people, um, when I see that people have downloaded it and listened to it, because I do find that way of thinking helps me understand sort of the, the landscape right now um, in terms of, uh, you know... In that episode, we talk a lot about, uh, I think it was with uh, former co-host uh, Seth Lower. I think that's how long ago that episode was. But I, 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 the, the, he asked me early on which was which when I was using the, uh, the, the war in, uh, in Germany. You know that war, World War II. When I, was trying, when I used uh, Isaiah Berlin, who's the person who came up with uh, the two concepts of liberty, it's his lecture. Uh, he was a, a guy that was an intellectual, you know, and he was a Zionist, um, which only goes to show that he is right about uh, value pluralism, value pluralism being the idea that um, any logical, and this is a paraphrase, but any logical uh, ideology taken to its fullest extent um, uh, to its logical conclusion will collide with other ideolo ideologies that make sense, but will collide with this ideology if those are taken to the logical conclusion. In any case, the important thing about the two concepts of liberty is that it sort of helps you understand the political landscape as it is now, where it's not necessarily going to stay right versus left. But it is going to maybe become a little bit more about class and populism, right? Um, the reason that Biden's not going to do well is because he's not a populist. The idea of populism, and this is something that I do agree with that commentator Crystal Ball, of economic populism specifically being more unifying than the, um, I forget... Uh, like identity uh, signaling that a lot of people do. Uh, I, I mean, a lot of 
Bernie's campaign was successful to the point that it was. He was not pandering and virtue signaling like that. And I think that the problem is that those virtue signals serve to separate the populists. So if you are, like, I mean, my opinion on uh, social justice is clear on the show, but a lot of times leading with that is like... um, is is a turnoff for people that would otherwise agree with you politically uh, in terms of um, economic justice, uh, in even in things like uh, criminal justice reform. Um, and I think that one of the things that happened with that, like I know I had a guest on the show, um, Josh Steitman, who was who came on the show and t- was promoting identity politics as, as a something that we needed to lean on more. Uh, I do want to point out that he was a white guy, and I'm not maligning him. I'm just saying that that tends to be the thinking of uh, a certain liberal leftist white. Uh, and he was saying that, uh, and to his credit, he was working for an organization at the time. He was saying that the Biden stumble where by which we got uh, gay marriage legalized was a planned thing. I have a very hard time believing that. I don't think, for example, that's a political football, right? And once you win that victory, you can no longer campaign on it. Now that that happened and they gave that up, that that political football up by accident, because they weren't going to give, I mean, Hillary Clinton wasn't down with gay marriage. Uh, for a very long time, um, and now she gets credit like she's, you know, like wink, wink. She was always on our side, but like, no, man, <laughs> she was playing politics with your civil liberties. If you are a person who is queer in any form, and now because that uh, that has been um, validated through broader culture, like that's where the main virtue signal goes. They need tokens. And so I'm not saying that I'm not happy (laughs) that the Democrats uh, are on the side of uh, gay people. But like I've said this before, I do feel like... um, like queer culture hasn't had those politicians like Latins, Latin Americans have had, like you haven't necessarily had the representation that we've had. Right. So like, what did Hillary Clinton, what did Obama? Okay. Obama did something, but did he, or was it an accident or was it Joe Biden? Why isn't Joe Biden running on his fucking thing? If it was always a plan anyway, my point being that like, um, I think that there is an inclusion that elite uh, um, queer people and visibility that they're getting that is appealing, but then there's also that sense of like, uh, you know, trying to win, ba- trying to take back that uh, spirit where it's like, hey, 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 you know, like, uh, I, 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 um, I think there's somebody that says that something is cops at pride. Um, I, I forget. He may now or something. It's somebody that I follow on Instagram. But, um, yeah, man, like, y'all were maligned <laughs> for a very long time until very fucking recently by the very people that uh, now are virtue signaling hard. to define freedoms. Now, the one that we are used to in this country is negative freedom, which is you shot like it's the tread on me attitude, which is don't encroach on my space, don't infringe on my liberties. Whereas 
the positive sense of freedom comes more, and and so the negative sense of freedom is very new because it's very much tied to sense uh, to a sense of privacy. Now I want you to remember that we're also losing our privacy right now in the world. So with this freedom that we are so um, impassioned about in this country, the very essence of it is being corrupted by way of privacy. Like, you can no longer expect privacy the way that you used to in, like, the 60s, right? So that's one thing. And uh, so I don't know how long that is going to hold up in terms of, right? And that is the means by which capitalists become hyper-capitalists, whereas the uh, positive sense of freedom is more related to uh, monarchies. And it's less about who governs me and more about what freedoms do I have that are granted to me by those that govern me. For example, that would be healthcare um, and, you know, I don't, I, it could be argued that UBI is that, but I don't necessarily feel like that. I don't, I mean, I guess it would be, cause it would be something that even though it would be corporate, like it's, it's more related to feudalism, right? So, uh, um, so yeah, so that's, that's the area that that lives in. So, but, but one of the points that I've made before is that, this argument, and it's it seems a little bit relevant right now, especially with what's going on, which is that um, both the right to bear arms and the right to uh, a pro-choice, pro or the I, f I forget how to define it as a right, but being pro-choice and uh, and um, being pro-gun rights are um, are both ideologically aligned in that they are both negative sense of freedoms in terms of do not encroach on my space, do not encroach on my rights, do not take away, you know. So there um, have been discussions in throughout history about how big of the space of non-interference it is that you can have. It was reason that if everybody had infinite space that they couldn't be, like we all have bubbles that need to coexist, right? And so what's happening now, I think with the negative sense of freedom is that there's like the Jeff Bezos, there's the uh, uh, Bill um, Gateses who are like, you know, uh, they're free to do with their money altruistic shit but in the meantime, they're taking, you know, their space, uh, the space that they take up has, especially in the economy, has taken up so much that it's just fucking ridiculous. Um, so that's interesting. I also feel like a lot of people that may have, and you guys can disagree with me on this. You're more than welcome to. But a lot of people that have been pro-gun control are maybe rethinking that. And... Uh, and I've been thinking about that a lot recently uh, with these protests that are going on uh, to open the economy. And those break my heart because I don't think these people are stupid. I think it's very easy to doubt. I mean, I haven't met anybody that has corona, so I understand. I believe that corona is real. I don't want to get it, but I understand the sense that we're getting fucked. And I wish personally that people would be, would be protesting more for things like universal basic income, but it goes into that personal liberty thing, right? Like you are encroaching on their ability to make money and you're not giving them a substitute. So you're basically fucking them, right? So in a very real sense, they're not idiots. They are very, very much afraid. They just have different ideology than us. They don't necessarily feel like they should be going uh, uh, protesting and asking for uh, universal basic income, which I get because they don't want to feel helpless. And there are problems with U UBI, right? Like, how do you protest if you're getting money from the government, right? So um, it, it, is a, it is a dynamic that I'm not necessarily... 
uh, happy about in the long run. I would much rather we legislate against that unbridled um, power, but it doesn't seem like that's what's going to happen. So we are maybe moving towards a more feudalistic place. It doesn't, um, it doesn't, I don't know. But in terms of that gun argument, I do think it's good to see people protesting with guns. I'm sorry, I do. And I wish that there was some way that we could have a dialogue with these people and not ask them to stop being angry, but maybe figure out a more productive way to protest. Uh, I do think that the guns are productive. (laughs) I think that when you start seeing a bunch of white people with guns, it's scary. And it's, it's appropriate for what's happening right now. I do wish that it was focused on the fact that they're enriching people, but I don't think people have access, you know, like no one really wants to know that they're getting fucked because then you have to cope with that. And I do think strongly, very, very, very strongly that the argument against, uh, the, the argument against people having guns being that the government will just roll you over is uh, naive. I think it is, uh, first of all, we've seen what happens when you just roll over people uh, at Ruby Ridge and at Waco um, when people have guns. It's not a good thing. It's not a good look. The best that we've ever done as a government in fighting, in defusing a situation with guns was the people that took, uh, what's it called, the... um, the ones that took the wildlife preserve over and then we just fucking left them alone and like let that shit fizzle out. There are ways, there are nonviolent ways of addressing these situations, right? You don't have to roll over them with a fucking tank. You don't have to burn them down alive in the hopes that they'll run out. Like it's <laughs> it's not necessary. Uh and I do think that it it does sort of I think that there is something to having you know, maybe you as an individual having your AK-47 stash isn't that great. But if enough people have guns, I don't know, man. If I'm the ruling class, I get a little scared, right? So I don't know. Maybe this is some ignorant shit that I'm saying. However, I do think that, um, I mean, I've considered getting a shotgun just because I've lived through uh, Miami during hurricanes I know what looting is like. Doesn't seem like there's enough people with enough money for me to worry about getting my shit stolen so that it can be sold to somebody else. So, so far, no need for a gun. But yeah, man, it's getting crazy out there. And I, uh, I keep hoping that it will somehow correct itself at that at some point they're like at some point i'm like they're gonna have to give us ubi and i think that i'm naively giving them a little too much credit so with that in mind like yeah guns are a problem still right black men are getting shot by cops and by civilians i'm not like saying guns are all good But I'm just saying that the argument, specifically the argument against people having guns being that, oh, the government will just roll over you. Yeah. But then as a whole mass of citizenry, it's not going to be that easy. And once you start sending the military to kill Americans, which are their family members and shit like that, like, mm, I don't know, man. I think that we have an idea of how powerful our, our military is when we look at what it does to other people. And I think that, you know, like one of the reasons that I advocate for uh, places like Venezuela and shit like that is because this is not a borders thing. This is a class thing. They're just learning how to do this shit outside of the country so they could do it to us. And that's what's happening right now. And it's the second time in like a decade, or I guess it's a little bit over a decade, uh, you know, that this has happened. Now, is this going to happen every fucking 10 years? I don't know. But, um, yeah, bottom line is, is that, uh, 
I would encourage everybody to think in terms of populism and less in terms of uh, Democrat, Republican. Um, I wouldn't even, I would caution you from thinking in terms of left and right because um, it used to be that you could be a racist and be on the left. Those were called Dixiecrats. Uh, and all of this shit is constantly changing. There used to be a party called the Whigs. So, um, yeah, I'm probably going to vote for Jesse Ventura. And why is that? Because I get to vote. And I don't want to vote for shit that sucks. I, I want to take responsibility for what I support. And um, you can argue with me that... Uh, I need to vote for Biden because ultimately he's closer to what I support. But I'll be honest with you, after seeing the Obama years, I'm terrified. I'm fucking terrified of, uh, of what a Biden administration would look like. Who's going to be his Dick Cheney? It's certainly not going to be Kamala Harris. But that motherfucker, like, yo... People get rolled by the military-industrial complex when they get into office. Trump hasn't started wars. He's been super incompetent with his foreign policy. And that is a virtue as far as I'm concerned. I don't know what kind of fucking war hawk. Look, all you need to tell me is that Hillary Clinton is going to be at all involved, which you know she is. In the Biden presidency, I'm not in it. Because I care about people in Latin America. Yo, Honduras right now, they're learning how to... They're bringing in Israeli soldiers uh, to teach uh, the American uh, base. I forget what it's uh, what the name It's the biggest... It's the one that we... Um, it's our biggest base in Latin America is in Honduras. They're bringing Israeli soldiers to teach, the, to teach uh, American soldiers on anti, and uh, I'm sure there's some death squads there too, uh, never never underestimate America's ability to, late, years later, uh, have horrible shit uncovered. But um, they're basically going there to train our soldiers on anti-migration tactics. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with what's happening in, in uh, Palestine, but it's basically the world's largest open-air prison, and they'll just pick motherfuckers off like... It's no joke, right? No consequences, whatever. So um, keep in mind, they're not doing anything about climate change, but they are learning about anti-migration tactics. Um, I don't know. I don't know how Alex Jonesy I'm getting here. I prefer to be compared more to Bill Cooper because <laughs> he was the real deal, even though he ended up killing somebody. But yeah, it's about to get weird. It's about to get weird as fuck. And so the way that I've been coping with it is that I've been reading about uh, uh, shit that is super strange because I do have a mind that is uh, investigative, I guess, in terms of like wanting to get to the bottom of things. And uh, my energies are much better uh, spent right now or much more joyfully spent researching uh, UFO phenomena, which doesn't necessarily mean I'm, I'm studying about aliens, okay? UFO phenomena is very different, and we'll get into it in a later episode. That's what I'm preparing, uh, and we will have guests back on. I just uh, needed a fucking break, bro. I don't know. Like, inviting people on to the show has felt a little bit like an um, imposition, and... You know, it's also like I'm not getting a lot of human contact. <laughs> so it's like hosting a show when I haven't talked to anybody in like days at a time is kind of nerve wracking. I feel like this is a little bit easier. I'm also not a fan of Skype because you can't see people's reactions. You don't really like it's a different kind of uh, uh, conversation. So I'm going to try to do more of these kinds of uh, stream of consciousness episodes, update you on some of the shit that I've been up to, 
Um, and, you know, this has always been ideally a studio companion. I understand that right now people are freaked the fuck out and they are not necessarily practicing their art practice as much as they'd like to. I have been playing more guitar than drawing, but I'm trying to get back into drawing. I mean, trying. I am drawing, but um, I don't feel like it's a practice. It's just like more doodling. But, I mean, you got to draw something, right? But in terms of like hope, I don't know. I'm I'm pretty hopeful. I I uh, I know that that comes because I'm sheltered in privilege. Very happy to hear that people aren't voting for Biden just because he's a Democrat. I think that that's good for the discourse because I think that um, for too long we've been taken for granted on the left, and people have assumed that we were just going to vote for them. So the Democratic Party sort of goes to the right, but. Yeah, man, it's a pretty fucking crazy time. And it's also crazy because everybody's sort of going through it either alone or has their relationships with people they're close to ultra heightened because you're living in the same space. Anyway, uh, I have some fun stuff planned. I have time, so I want to go back a little bit into doing a little bit more of my own research. Um, for now, I'm just going to do solo episodes. I don't want to feel like I'm imposing on people just to keep my show going. I will invite anybody who wants to be on it to be on it, because... Uh, I still like talking to people. I'm less into the uh, Skype thing, though. I might have to get myself a a camera or, or a webcam or something because my computer doesn't have one. But it's it's hard to uh, get the same vibe going. But hopefully, people are less stressed out. And it's not like I've been inviting people and they've been turning me down. It's more like I just haven't felt like I wanted to. Um, be a public person for a little while. So I hope you guys understand. I hope I didn't bum you out too much. I do have, I am hopeful. I think, you know, the, uh, if you want to listen to somebody that makes a lot of sense, uh, Dylan Radigan, uh, he's a guy who was on CNBC back. Uh, you've probably seen the clip of him ripping into, uh, the handling of the 2008, um, economic crash where he like, basically on uh, TV told the truth, which was so novel that it ended up being becoming a viral video. He does interviews with this guy, Jimmy Dore. I know that Jimmy Dore is not for everybody. However, that motherfucker has not lied. Uh, he has been wrong, but I don't, I've been listening to him for a long time and I don't, I see who he has on the show. Uh, people like Dylan Radigan, those conversations that he's having with him about money are very interesting. Um, he called out, uh, AOC and, uh, Elizabeth Warren when they were trying to do something to keep, um, large equity firms from buying, uh, small businesses. And he got so angry. He was like, fuck you. Like, there's no way that, uh, a, a private equity firm is going to spend $100,000 on a business to to double their profit. Like, that's, that's not what they're doing. They're buying shit. CVS is buying uh, pharmacies because that's like an um, a business that is um, renewable. Or, you know, like the customer base is guaranteed they're going to need their meds. So those are the businesses that are getting uh, bought up. A lot of shit is just going to be um, just fucking uh, empty, um, you know, storefronts because people are just going out of business. Uh, like, you know, and it, that that's a fucking bummer. Can you imagine? I feel like I've spent a lot of my life feeling like a waste of space because I'd never started my own business or some shit like that. You know, um, I mean, I guess I tried to start the podcast as a business. We'll see how that works out. I don't think 
anybody has money, so I'm not going to be asking for any. Um, but, uh, I mean, if you do have it, I'll take it. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> I don't want to say I'm not going to be asking for money. But, um, yeah, dude, it, it, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a scary time. And I think that what, what Dylan Radigan, basically his main point is that the only thing that happened, that's happened right now is that we've realized that, like, we don't live where we thought we were. We thought we lived in a, in a democracy. We thought we lived in a, uh, in, in a play in a country that was better. And turns out we're just as corrupt as everybody else. And that's like, you know, I lived in Italy. That's a beautiful place to live. Their com their government has been corrupt for years. So it's not like you can't fucking live. Right. And it's not like we're not going to come at these motherfuckers hard. <laughs> Well, Occupy Wall Street was was nothing compared to this shit and uh, to to what's coming, and this time we actually know what we want. We want health care, Medicare for all. So this time those protests are gonna have a much clearer agenda, and um, yeah, it'll it'll be it's gonna be an interesting look. As artists, we get to live in interesting times, um, and. Like, would you rather live now when there's stuff to make art about, or would you rather live when there's, uh, you know, you're just part of the art market? I don't know. I mean, we're all going to die in obscurity anyway, so <laughs> it's okay. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I feel good. I didn't for a long time. It took me a lot of work. Took, uh, I was definitely very sad. One of the things that helped me is uh, recently I listened to Rakim Cunningham. He has a new Twitch uh, channel. I highly recommend if you're into this show that you tune in because it's basically him just, it's basically like what it's like to sit and play video games with him. Uh, we've played Overwatch over here a couple times. What I'll do now is I'll just leave the uh, stream on in the background while I'm doing other shit and it feels like I have a friend here who is, like, I mean, he's, you forget, like, that sometimes people um, that are sweet and kind and giving do actually succeed at uh, what they're trying to do and get recognition. So I just want to give you guys that plug because I am very, uh, he's always been very supportive of me and is, I, I feel like that is the way he is with everybody. So I want to encourage everybody, if you're feeling lonely and you need some company, uh, twitch.tv, uh, forward slash Rakim C R A K E E M C. Uh, oh, uh, Cactus Projects is doing, uh, which is, uh, Jorge Mujica. He is doing, um, some stuff uh he's doing like live studio visits uh which has been making me feel hella guilty because <laughs> i haven't been doing i haven't been on my hustle and i just see him like all the time and then he's like booking guests that i have uh, that i want to book and i'm like oh man it's just a matter of fucking doing it so i'm back in the saddle but check him out uh it's a uh, cactus uh cactus underscore ixt you can check out his uh, his feed. I think he does it pretty regularly. I don't even know how how many times a day, but he's doing studio visits with people uh, that are fun. And I'm trying to think uh, if I forgot anything else that somebody is doing. Oh, you can get uh, scones from Jacqueline Falcone at, at Falconiverse. Uh, if I forgot anybody that um, is doing something, uh, I hope will hopefully remember by next episode. But yeah, man, I, um, like I said, it's been a struggle. It's been a little bit of a challenge to sort of feel like I want to put out anything because, uh, I didn't want to put out anger and rage. I didn't want to put out, um, bitterness. I didn't feel like that would be helpful. Uh, I'm in better spirits now. I've built a shit ton of Legos. I have, uh, painted all of my guitar pedals, um, and, uh, you know, slowly but surely have eased into this lifestyle, and uh, it's been good. 
I'm happy, I think. That's not convincing. <laughs> I'm terrified too. I really don't know what the fuck is going to happen. Like, how do you plan your, you know, right now I have a thing with my therapist where we're deciding uh, what my one year, five year and 10 year plan is. And it's like changed so dramatically from before <laughs> this thing. I was like literally trying to pivot back into the art world. And now I see all you motherfuckers like, I mean, sorry, I don't mean to call you motherfuckers while you're down, <laughs> but I'm a motherfucker too. I just see everybody's like, uh, what is the art world now? Like, how do you even do galleries? You know, we're going to need UBI for automated galleries pretty soon. Anyway, make art. And if you can't make art, chill out. It's cool. You're experiencing life and that'll make you make art. But in the meantime, doodle, do something. And if you can't bring yourself to do that, it's okay. You're still processing this shit. And uh, it's a big one. It's not, it's, this isn't even like the fucking financial crash. This is like on par with uh, um, the changes that are going to happen are going to be like 9-11. Now, some of you guys won't remember what the world was like before 9-11. Um but it was very different. Anyway, uh, I guess I'm going to say it. If you'd like to pay, uh, if you'd like to help us pay our guest and produce the show, you can go to patreon.com slash what's my thesis. And if you give us a five stars, you, um, you make me feel good. <laughs> Yeah, seriously, uh, my birthday, I turned 40 on May 4th, and uh, I hadn't put out an episode in a long time. I got a big bump on May 4th. I know you guys didn't know. I know th that it was my birthday. I know it was just serendipity. Uh, I got a big bump in listenership, which made me feel very, very good, and I appreciate everybody who listens to the show, um, and I hope uh, that you guys are okay, because this is not uh, normal times. 